0: Hello friends, welcome to episode 578 of the Juicebox Podcast. You may remember episode 504, Allergic to Insulin, where a young girl from Canada came on to talk about how she was really, like, viciously allergic to her fast-acting insulin, her mealtime insulin. And we talked all about how she worked it out. Well, a little later, I heard from a doctor in Texas who had a patient who was also suffering from the same thing. And a lot has happened since I talked to that doctor. I'm gonna tell you about it here, and she's gonna tell you about what they did and how they took care of the problem. It's kinda fascinating. You're gonna love it. And I think in a couple of months, I'm going to get this doctor's patient on to talk about what they learned, which is different than what the first person learned in Oh my, wait, do you hear? Nothing you hear on the box podcast should be considered advice medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Hey, so far this month we've added like 140 people to the T1D exchange registry. Have you taken the survey yet? Have to be a US citizen. But after that, it's t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. Take you less than 10 minutes. This episode of the Juicebox Podcast is sponsored by Touched by Type 1. Please go check them out at touchedbytype1.org or on Facebook and Instagram. Today's show is also sponsored by the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. You're going to want to go to dexcom.com forward slash juice box to get started today. Head over there right now. Get the CGM technology that my daughter wears. It's absolutely amazing.
1: Hi, I'm Bonnie McCann Crosby. I'm one of the pediatric endocrinologists at Texas Children's Hospital in Houston, Texas. Thanks for having me.
0: No, thank you for doing this. I I appreciate it very much. Um, Let's see if I've got this right. I put up an episode with... Sacha, right and she's allergic to insulin and That's i correct. talked to her about like um you know like everything she went through and and it was really kind of fascinating i didn't realize how impactful i mean i guess i didn't even realize it could happen but um but that she's allergic to this insulin she couldn't use it had to get this specific kind of I forget, like injection port or pump site or something like that from Germany, and they weren't going to make them much longer. And the insulin's like fourteen thousand dollars a year. And I think this is mm-hmm. a pretty good encapsulation of that that um, that whole thing. But then mm-hmm. then I got an email from you, and I don't know how that happened. So you filled that part in for me.
1: Yeah, no. Um. So I uh, obviously see a lot of pediatric patients with type one, and um. Uh, get to chatting with the parents and a lot of them had mentioned your podcast and how they really enjoy it. And so I I was like, well, I'll I'll check out an episode. And the episode I first happened to listen to was the one um, with Sasha and the insulin allergy and got me to thinking about other um, cases uh, that I'd seen similarly, which is why I reached out to kind of get more information.
0: Cool. So it is complete happenstance that so I'm assuming that, you know, some of the people who listen to the show, they hockey a little bit about the podcast, right? And they're just, like, mm-hmm. you. They, I'm assuming they say, you got to listen, like they they, uh-huh. they give you the whole cell. And then finally, you're like, I'm going to listen. And then you land on an episode, boom, out of the gate. And you're like, oh, I've seen this before with some of my other patients.
1: Yeah, it was, um, it was crazy. Actually, I, I was like, wow, I can't, I can't believe this is the episode, first one I actually listened to.
0: Did it make you wonder what secrets are in the other ones?
1: Um it, it has definitely.
0: <laughs> so you listen to that and you think you have current I know we can't speak about your patients specifically although although it looks like maybe one of them might come on the show but um but so you you had somebody who you were thinking of, right, when you saw this? Like somebody who you're treating currently?
1: Yeah, no, I and um you know, patients with similar reactions to Sasha um Significant allergic reactions, skin reactions, and things like that, and just trying to think about other ways to to treat these patients, um, yeah. because this is very rare, and not a lot is known about what to do in these situations.
0: So, so highlight it for me. Um, a person who has this allergy injects the insulin, and what happens generally?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, in, in patients with these kind of allergies, um, you know, they can get significant like skin reactions where it's almost like major hives, you know, huge um, raised area, red on the skin, extremely large, extremely painful. And of course, you know, this is every time you inject, right? And so if you imagine, you know, if you're on multiple injections a day, every single time you give an injection, you've got these huge reactions and they last for days. So this is not just... Um, you know, it's, it's done within a few minutes or an hour. It's, it's days later, still dealing with these consequences from each shot. So and incredibly painful, incredibly frustrating. And then, you know, what can happen is you're not getting absorption of the insulin, right? And so blood sugars are through the roof high, difficult to control, increased risk of DKA because you're not getting, you know, the life-saving drug that you need to keep blood sugars in check,
0: So aside from the fact that they're having a a terrible reaction to the insulin, I guess the inflammation is stopping the uptake of the insulin as well?
1: Yes, yes.
0: Okay. So now, so so then does that force them to use more, which increases the reaction?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And, and, you know, oftentimes, you know, we're talking, you know, very, very tight insulin to carb ratios and just nothing is really working. I mean, we're talking like one to two, one to three insulin Mm -hmm. to carb ratio.
0: So what do you do? Like, I mean, kind of walk me through, like pick any of your patients in your head. I don't need to know their name or their details. But the first time you see this, how do you how do you try to help them?
1: Well, um, you know, we, we try different types of insulins, obviously, um, if one is not working, you want to kind of go through all the other options. So if Humalog's not working, okay, let's try Novolog, let's try Epidra, let's try, um, you know, Fiasp, let's try any different type of insulin to see if that will work and create a similar or less, you know, less similar response, you know, and that can even prove challenging as they're going through this. And so you know, oftentimes we'll get our allergy and immunology colleagues involved as well to see if there's anything we can do potentially topically, like a, like a steroid cream or even orally, like antihistamine, anything that can kind of um, mitigate the reaction and minimize it. And so that's kind of the starting place um, for these type of cases.
0: So there are there different levels? Like, are there some people who you can treat like with a topical something that that keeps it reasonable or but but we're not talking about that right now we're talking about like really extreme cases not
1: yeah just- you know and, and and of course you know there's a lot of people that do have like skin sensitivity to you know maybe a little bit of an air area around uh, the injection and it's more common of course with like adhesive with pumps and things like that and then mm-hmm. you know yes you can do topical things but when you get to the level where you know you've got significant you know, inflammation and a reaction to that level, you know, you got to start thinking, okay, what what else are we going to do long-term, right? Because even if a person were to become, you know, tolerating a new insulin for a little while, that doesn't necessarily mean they're not going to develop a new reaction, right? So, you still have to monitor and maybe they're doing okay for a little bit and then potentially they could have another reaction later on to, to a new insulin. So it's definitely a challenge um, to try to figure out like what's the long-term game plan for this, these cases.
0: What, what are the most extreme um, things that you've seen happen to people's like day-to-day life because of this?
1: I mean, you know, DKA is obviously the most extreme, right? Because, you know, they're not getting absorption. They're in the hospital multiple times um, in, you know, Blood sugars run in 300s plus all the time and you don't have a lot of reserve, right? So, you know, if you um, are missing at least even like a fraction of absorption, you're going to be at higher risk to go into DKA. And then, you know, just on a day-to-day basis, I mean, you know, think about it. If you are having pain every single time you inject insulin, you become maybe you don't want to inject your insulin, right? Maybe you um, become kind of depressed because every single time you do this, it's causing excruciating pain over and over and over and over again. And there's not really a good, you know, other solution for you. Yeah. And so that, I mean, that's the, the worst part of it, I think, is a psychological aspect.
0: Mm. I, I would imagine too, it could lead to eating issues, like eating oh, yeah. disorder issues, right? And
1: the same mm-hmm. thing.
0: And so, you may,
1: um, you know, you know, patients may choose to kind of carb restrict or, um, you know, more keto. But that, you know, in growing children is obviously a concern, right? They need, you know, certain amount of carbs to grow, and so that that um, definitely becomes challenging.
0: Hmm. So I want to just be clear, like stopping here for a second for people listening, like. My daughter doesn't like Fiasp; it burns her, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and if she wears a pump with Fiasp in it for a couple of days, she says the spot is sore. Like, so we just say okay. Like, she, you know, doesn't her body doesn't tolerate something about Fiasp very well. But that's that's not what we're talking about. Like, we're talking no. about like significant, severe things to the point where if you go back to episode five hundred four and listen to the conversation with Sasha, like she's having all of the issues that that Bonnie's describing now, like, and I I feel like I should be calling you Dr. McCann Crosby. How do you want want me to talk to you? What do you want me to say?
1: Either way. It doesn't matter. All
0: right. Well, I'm going to go with Bonnie. So I I hear just enough Texas in you. You're making me feel very comfortable. (laughs) So this is a a big deal. And, and the stuff that, that, that Bonnie's describing here is, is super real. Like people not eating, um, their, they can't get their blood sugars down, ending up in DKA. Like, and and not, and there's no end to this. It's not going to stop for them. I don't want to give the whole thing away about 504 in case people want to listen to it, but, um, Oh God, Bonnie, this isn't, can you hold on one second? I'm sorry. This never happens, but hold on.
1: Yeah. 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 No worries.
0: Are you using insulin? If you are, wouldn't it be great to see what it's doing? And I mean by what it's doing, I mean what it's doing to your blood sugar Don't you wanna know how quickly your blood sugar's moving? And in what direction? You can, you know, with the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. Speed, direction, and number. All at the touch of a button, really. You could just open up your Dexcom receiver and there's the information you need. Or you can use your phone as a receiver. My daughter uses her iPhone. Let me pull up her blood sugar for you right now. Interesting. One, two, three is her blood sugar. And I can see that it's starting to come down, right? So she's eaten recently a a higher carb meal. It's kind of sticking to her a little bit. But I can see the insulin working and I can see, it's crazy. I'm just looking at the graph and I can see her blood sugar kind of bending, right? Like it's a little stable and now it's sort of curving down. It's, It's telling me that the bolus we used is working. And you can see all this as well. On your Android or Apple phone. I'm a follower of my daughter. She can have up to 10. My wife is also following. That would leave eight more. Nurses, family members, well meaning uh, people on the block I don't know, you, whoever you want. You can let whoever you want follow. You also don't have to let anyone follow. It's completely up to you. Dexcom's gonna tell you the things that you need to know to make great decisions with insulin speed, direction, and location of your blood sugar. Are you 88 and stable? 88 and falling. Big difference, right? 88 and stable. Woo! All good. Falling might need some carbs. Going up might need some insulin. It's all right in front of you on this easy to understand graph. It's just a line. It kind of just flows into the future. Up, down, stable and soon after using it, you just get a vibe for it. You know how it works and you can kind of be ahead of the diabetes roller coaster instead of, you know, hair back and screaming and always riding it. Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox I can't, I cannot, I cannot tell you properly, I don't think, what a big, big, big impact it's made on my daughter's health and mine. Before I go, I want to remind you to check out TouchedByType1.org. It's a wonderful organization doing things for people living with type 1 diabetes that are just so heartwarming, you have to see them yourself. And you can at touchedbytype1.org. Also on their Facebook and Instagram pages. All right, now we'll get back to Bonnie. I know I was the one that interrupted this episode. I'll tell you guys uh, when it's appropriate why I've been getting a lot of calls while I've been making the podcast lately, but uh, not right now. For now, let's get back to Bonnie. She's going to explain how they took care of this problem for her patient. It's legit amazing. I'm really sorry, Bonnie. I had to take a phone call, which I apologize for. Um, <laughs> okay, so we now understand completely like what this the impact of this is and that you really don't have any recourse. Well, you didn't. You thought had any recourse as a physician. These people still need insulin. They're yeah. going to have these reactions like trying to, you know, treat what happens next isn't fixing the problem. It's just kind of quelling, you know, symptoms that, as bad as they are, right? And so... Y- When you contacted me, you were just looking to speak to Sasha's family, right?
1: Yeah, just to kind of hear their experience and kind of different things that they had tried in the past and how things were going for them currently.
0: And after speaking with them, what did anything strike you to try or where did you think you were left?
1: Well, you know, her case is is certainly very unique and um, you know, in her case, they ended up with the, the diaport system, which um, required a lot of um, planning and um, time invested because it is only available in Europe. And apparently they had to fly this German surgeon over to Canada and, you know, he had to train them how to put this thing in, and then the upkeep and everything like that is is quite expensive mm-hmm. for the ongoing supplies and the insulin, and you know it's it's definitely a lot. And you know, you know, reaching out, I did reach out um about diaport in the U.S., but that is a uh, you know very very complicated and requires FDA approval, which of course um, takes a lot of time, right? And so, just kind of thinking about other ways. Um, for these patients and one one thing came to mind which is technically not FDA approved for people younger than 18 but is the inhaled insulin Afreza and yeah so that's kind of you know honestly your podcast was um, kind of just opened my my mind into thinking about different ways
0: mm-hmm.
1: to treat patients with these insulin allergies and and that kind of led me down towards the Afreza pathway
0: when you thought that did you then think I'm a genius afterwards because that's what I was No <laughs> no this was actually
1: you know you know these these discussions are never made you know just with one with me right, right. so it was kind of my whole my whole team we we're kind of talking about these situations and what else could we try and so it was a team
0: All right. Okay, Bonnie. Everybody helped, yes. I understand. Okay. Everybody helped. I understand. Like we don't take credit from anybody, but I'm just saying, I would have been like, oh my God, I'm a genius. So (laughs) to kind of like tease this out a little further to make sense of it, if if um a person who's allergic to their injected insulin gets it through this port, it magically doesn't it doesn't bother them anymore, right? It, it becomes then the problem of the expense and the difficulty. Right. And, and that there's a certain kind of insulin that you use with the port that's not, it's very expensive and not covered by insurance, et cetera. So, right. right, right. But but the takeaway from that should be, if you can bypass the subcutaneous delivery, somehow they're not having a reaction. And right. So when you think a frezza is is the molecule sold so different that it doesn't make you think, oh God, what if we spray insulin in their throat and they have a reaction in their throat?
1: No, that's that's a definite concern. And so, um, yeah, because it you know it is it is human insulin, right? It's the same. Um, it's just not being injected into subcutaneous tissue. Obviously, it's it's inhaled, which is you know brings about its its own concerns, which we can kind of get into um, when we talk about yeah. how one would kind of initiate this in in a patient with a concern for insulin allergy.
0: I would imagine you'd find the flesh on them that is most like the inside of their mouth and spray it on it and see what happens. Is that what you did?
1: Yeah, so um th- you know, in these cases you would definitely want to get um allergy and immunology doctor involved mm-hmm. to be able to kind of help monitor for reactions. Um and so I think you know, first would be to kind of try a little bit of a local area um, in the mouth and just kind of see like how that goes. And then when you're really going to do first dose, true inhalation, you really, you need it monitored, right? In a clinic with an allergist who can be prepared with, you know, epinephrine, anything that is needed in case we have An anaphylactic reaction in the lungs, right? Like that, so that's that's the big concern, obviously. So it needs to be done in a very carefully monitored situation.
0: Were you there when it happened?
1: I was there, um, not in the, you know, not in the room, um, but um, you know, I'm 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 there in the clinic when when these things are done. So yes,
0: what was next door? Was the concern all? Was it as great as what if we have to like? tube this person like could it have gotten that bad like it was that your expectation that it could have went anywhere from hey this could work yeah. to we might have to assist them in breathing
1: yeah i mean you you have to you have to plan for the worst right yeah. like hope for the best plan for the worst um in these cases because you just you don't know what's going to happen and so you know in again it has to be very closely monitored
0: you just described being married i don't know if you're married or not but oh i am yeah, yeah. <laughs> plan for the worst hope for the best uh- <laughs> <laughs> It also applies to raising children and buying a dog, so um, it really does. It applies to everything. So I'm like I'm so I'm fascinated. So this patient, you had one in mind that you were going to try it with first, I imagine, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So this person comes in, and what happens? I mean, you they huff the. I mean, do you huff it? Is that how they like? What, what's the word for how it?
1: Yeah, it's it's inhaled. Yeah, I mean, it's like uh, like an asthma inhaler. Um, so you know, you you're gonna. You kind of have a device, kind of just breathe it in your mouth, right? Just inhale it. That's how it works.
0: So they took in some carbs, and then you were like, "All right, here we go."
1: Yeah, that's how it how it's done.
0: Uh-huh. Wow. wow, like the almost like a last meal situation. Did mm-hmm. they pick anything good, <laughs> I would have been like, "I would." Have I been like, I, yeah, <laughs> just in case this goes upside down, I want to have something really good. <laughs> um, so okay, I mean, like, what happened?
1: No, I mean, I, you know, in. It, Again, I can't. I can't say specific, you know, details, of course, but um, you know, overall, good response, and and no emergencies occurred. Mm-hmm. So yeah.
0: So they were able to inhale the Afreza. Is it Afrezza or a Frezza? It's Afrezza. Right? A- a
1: right. Um
0: And they did not have any like b- like pain, bumpy, bumps, bubbling, anything that was happening on the on their skin with the other insulin Just didn't. Happen. No. Wow, that must have felt amazing. For them, for you, for I mean, I would imagine everybody was just running around thrilled. Um, yeah. Can you? Has this made a significant impact on this specific person's life?
1: Well, I mean, again, I can't really mm-hmm. speak to. Tell me their what you can case, tell me. It,
0: Was it a was it a, an improvement?
1: Yes, I mean, overall, yes.
0: Okay. Are there still issues? no no wow you were just being very careful to protect people's information right? Mm-hmm. There. okay excellent so wow so you fixed it bonnie and your friends everybody who helped i understand don't worry yeah yeah Yeah. wow d- d- so then do you look back at other people like do you start going through records and finding other people if this has happened to in the past then like what's your next feeling after you accomplish that
1: no definitely i mean if there are you know other cases that come up we're gonna keep this um kind of treatment in mind um because, you know, I think it's a a viable option. Now, of course, you know, this does not replace long-acting, right? This is only Mm short-acting therapy here. So, you have to make sure that, you know, these patients can be on a long-acting, of course. Um, So, whether that be Lantus, Traceba, Basaglar, like whatever, but you have to make sure that, they can also tolerate a long-acting that we don't have a reaction to. You know,
0: obviously, in in this very in this specific situation that we're not being very specific about, could that person tolerate a long-acting insulin?
1: Mm-hmm, yes.
0: So, what do you think it is about the shorter-acting insulins that they can't take? Do you think it's a preservative or something? Like, have you ever looked into what what they're allergic to?
1: Yeah, it, I mean, it's possible it is a preservative. Um, I and and we haven't tested, you know. Specifically, but it, there's got to be something in in that short acting that that these these patients are are obviously reacting to. But
0: yeah. it then have- maybe
1: it's just a, something some reaction, you know, within the skin. But yeah, wow.
0: And it doesn't matter, like like you said, a pedra, novolog, whatever you tried, same reaction. Wow, 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 that's crazy. So, but that thing doesn't exist in. Um even in the modern um basils like Traceba?
1: Um you're not sure. You know, everyone is there yeah, Yeah. I mean I I think there's different ones that are they're different preservatives in each one. So I mean I think you just you have to try each one to see which one they're not reacting to. So um, you know, we were able to find one long acting that did work
0: without any issues. Gotcha. Would you share that or can you? You feel no okay well if i get the person on it i'm sure they'll be able to tell me i'm sure they will that's amazing oh uh, wow like seriously like is this one of those like this is what i became a doctor for moments
1: i i like to think so
0: yeah no kidding i mean that's a, just such a big shift for someone like i mean really like just boil it down to it's it's oh my gosh you have diabetes you're gonna have to take insulin every day for the rest of your life oops you're allergic to insulin. Sorry, like where do you go? like? There's nowhere to go. Like, so people are torturing—they're right. torturing themselves with this insulin because it's their only option. How many people do you think you've seen with this issue? Uh, well, first of all, how long you've been practicing, and then how long do you think you've seen? Pe- how many people do you think you've seen?
1: So I've been practicing for six and a half years now. I mean, this is extremely rare. I you don't. This is not. This is not common. I mean, this is like a. I mean. It's it's like you're lucky if you see a case in your lifetime, probably. I got
0: you. So it's not it's or not, unlucky. Yeah, right. I guess I should say it's not even a thing. Like like since then, when you when you meet a person who's newly diagnosed, you don't think in the back of your mind. Here's no. your insulin. I hope you're not allergic to it. It just does right. It's it doesn't just happen. it's not really.
1: A, it's just not. These are not common things, of right, course. Right.
0: Okay. Wow. And so, do you do you know of a handful of patients like this, or not even?
1: Not even. Not no. Even.
0: So so are you on here today hoping that people will hear about this and in case it's they've been touched by this problem?
1: Yeah, I mean I I think the big thing is that you know this is an option, right? And and if we are stuck in a position where we can't really get the diaport or that's not really a feasible option, then this may be an alternative that is a lot cheaper. Um and you know potentially you know life-saving, honestly.
0: Um, just less and less Less of an encumbrance, which you, right. know, you don't need an extra thing when you ha- like. You already have diabetes. You don't. Right. Need, you don't need more stuff. You know what I right. mean? Right. Um. I so I have to ask you. Because it's just how it occurs to me. I mean, I remember when a, uh, a Frezza came on the market, and people said, "Are you going to try this with your daughter?" And I said, "I'm not real comfortable with her inhaling something and putting it into her lungs, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know anything about it. I want to be clear. Mm-hmm. I could, yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm not making a judgment. I'm not saying that there's any studies. I'm just saying that from a, a knee jerk reaction as a parent, I was like, no thanks. But do you prescribe it? Generally speaking, in your practice? No. You don't. No. Okay.
1: Well, and I think, um, you know, to kind of explain, there are some limitations with it, right? So it, it only comes in certain unit cartridges. There's a four unit, an eight unit, and a 12 unit cartridge. Okay. So in littles, you know, who are on, I don't know, half a unit with meals or you're really trying to get precise with the dosing, you can't. Like you have to be on. A high enough dose that you're on able to take at least 4 as a minimum right um the other issue is it it does not last as long as you know say humalog novolog um and so they may need in between meals potentially a correction dose to you know to bring down potentially a high postprandial mm-hmm. and the dosing it, it is different Slightly different. So usually, when you go from Humalog or, or Novolog or one of the other injectables to a, a Freza, you're going to be on uh, I don't know, 20% higher potentially dosing on a Freza than you were on short acting. Okay. Um, so it does have some limitations. And then, of course, it's not really it's not studied in kids, so it's not FDA approved in in kids less than 18. So you do have to get you know special approval. Um, If you do have a patient with an insulin allergy. And then the other thing to keep in mind is just, you know, you can't use it in a person that has an underlying lung issue such as asthma, right? That could be a bad thing. Right. So they have to have healthy lungs and then you do have to monitor lung function over time to make sure that it doesn't change once you're doing an inhaled drug like this for a period of time. So that's recommendations is to get, you know, lung function studies when you're on this medication.
0: Gotcha. Did you do one initially to, so you had a baseline? Cannot say. Oh, damn. But it would be a good idea, right? I can't yes, put, it yeah. would. Yeah. Okay, just say, yeah, I gotcha. Um, I will tell you that I know of a handful of adults who listen to the podcast who use it and really like it. So I'm not, I'm not unaware of it. And I just, I don't know, it seems like, did you have... Well, I guess you didn't have that pull in your side of you because this was it, right? You were down. Yeah, it. this was the option. Yeah. Wow, it's just amazing that it worked. Really. It, yes,
1: absolutely.
0: Yeah, I mean, just it's I, I, it's miraculous. You know what I mean? There's, I, I think it's because I have the experience of having talked to Sasha for an hour and listening, you know, from like a, she's a young girl and she, you know, explaining how it's impacted her life. And I follow her on, uh, I think I follow her on social media now. And just to see kind of the lightness that exists in her life now, like she, she's acting her age and she looks happy and everything. And it's just a a really kind of amazing idea. So um, are you worried about it? Lung function wise, like take up take out for a second, this is what had to be done. Are you concerned?
1: Um, no, I mean, I think as long as you're monitoring, you know, if any changes come up there, I mean, we're gonna, you know, you'd have to kind of figure out what's what's the next plan. But um in a you know, people with healthy lungs going forward, I, I think I'm not I'm not super concerned. Okay.
0: Hey, I have a question I didn't ask. Um, not that you would want to do this, but did you try regular and MPH when you were going through all the different? Instances?
1: I mean, yeah, you have to. I mean, if you're going to go to a Frezza, you have to try the other
0: ones. Everything you literally you tried. Okay, I just went to yeah, yeah, you did everything. Yep. Wow. Oh my God. Uh, I am I not asking you anything I should be asking you because I'm a little overwhelmed at how excited I am about this. I didn't, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't expect I'd be so elated by the conversation. But is there anything I'm not asking that you? Think should be added here?
1: No, I mean, I I think um, I think it's really important, especially you know, if if someone comes and and does have an allergy, a true allergy. I mean, you have to think about this as a viable option, and I and I'm glad that you know it is right, and it, it, and anything that can be life changing and and help people not be in pain all the time, like this is huge. Right. So,
0: um, so is it is it fair to say, Bonnie, that if if somehow magically five people walked into your office today, they all had that level of allergic reaction to injected insulin. You would say, "Well, let's try this. You, you, that, that seems like the viable and well, maybe only next step."
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it is. I think it is. I mean, mm-hmm. short of you know going to Germany and uh, getting a dieport
0: <laughs> right
1: well, now. I mean, I think that's probably the best best option. I mean, you, and if you've exhausted all the other you know short acting um, insulins, I mean, you've, this is a, this is definitely an option, but of course, you know, it, it does, like I said, require getting a prior authorization just in, in kids. Right. But, Mm. but yeah, definitely.
0: Hey, uh, remind me, uh, and I I went over it real quickly at the beginning, but part of the problem with the port was that the company might not be making it anymore or is that correct? And then, and the insulin was like literally like 14,000 in cash a year.
1: I I don't remember how much it was, but it was, it was very expensive. And even you know, the, the maintenance of the diaport itself, like all the the supplies that you need and things have to be replaced every year. And it is costly. Mm-hmm.
0: What is the, what does the port do? How does it, is it like a metal spike? Oh, do you know?
1: I, I don't know exactly what it, well, I mean, no, it, it kind of, it, it looks, uh, it's hard to, hard to describe. You can look at the website and see like in a better picture than probably what I can describe, but it basically you have this little port that goes into the peritoneal cavity, like in your, you know, in your abdomen, mm-hmm. and and then you've got a connection that connects from that port on the inside to the outside, where you've got an insulin pump running and and pumping insulin, and it's an older version of an insulin pump. Um, I can't. Honestly, I cannot remember the name of the uh the company that makes it, but they don't make that pump anymore. So but but that's the one that connects with the diet port.
0: Yeah, it's a ton of hurdles. And I guess if there's I mean, if you've only seen one in your 6-year career and I've had people reach out to me, I ha- I'm not having a lot of luck getting them scheduled on the show for some reason. Um but there's like a handful of people who all know each other who have this happening with their kids. And I think they heard episode 504 and then uh, they reached out and i have been trying to book them but I'm, I'm not having a ton of success uh but i mean even at that i reach a fair amount of people and that i only heard back from four people was is, mm-hmm. is pretty telling you know
1: oh yeah yeah so, oh, yeah
0: so companies aren't in the business of i mean i know it sounds harsh but companies aren't in the business of making things that four people can use um you know right right it's it true becomes a comes a an issue. Can I ask you a couple of other questions before I let you? Yeah, go? Cool. absolutely. Um, how do you handle, I looked at your, I was looking at you online. Uh, it's not creepy at all. <laughs> it was just to get ready for this. Do you, yeah. do you see yourself as a person who treats thyroid disorders in an out of the box way or are you, are you very by the book?
1: Um, I, I mean, I, I think we have obviously like evidence-based guidelines that we follow, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, sometimes you, you know, every case is unique, right? So if a patient has a specific need, you may have to kind of think outside the box, potentially. I, I would say that in general, I follow the the guidelines. And if there's something that is an outlier, then you have to kind of alter and kind of figure out what's best for that patient. So,
0: so like if I came in and I was like, hey, here's my nine-year-old, we'll call him Jimmy. And Jimmy's uh, tired all the time and can't pick his head up off the floor. He's like a puddle, uh, but, uh-huh. his, but his TSH is two and a half. You give them uh-huh. a thyroid replacement hormone?
1: Probably not.
0: Okay. What, what's the number you're looking for?
1: So, I mean, in general, we, you know, my practice is if, if the TSH is above 10 or the free T4 is below the normal reference range, okay. those are my, now everybody's different. So, right, like if you know, I've started a little bit lower TSH levels, but um, those are the kind of the general
0: guidelines. So when that happens... And I don't, I'm not setting this up to be an indictment of you. I'm trying to understand the bigger picture. If the, if the practice or the hospital, if that's the, the treating rule, then do the physicians not have a lot of autonomy?
1: Oh no, they do. They
0: do. They do. Yeah.
1: All
0: right. I just, I was wondering, I, we have a really popular episode with a, with a, a thyroid doctor, um, who, you know, talks about treating the symptoms, not the number. And, um, and then a lot of people run into trouble when they go back to their doctors and they're like hey this is my kid his hair is falling out and he can't stand up and they're mm-hmm. like oh his tsh is only 5 and then eventually they get to somebody who gives them the the hormone and the kid pop, uh-huh. pops back up like a fresh flower afterwards so i was just i was just wanted i was looking for like a real like like outside of the like i know that's not what we're talking about so i just wanted like a like a top line reaction from you so that people could understand what's happening when they go to the, to the doctor.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you've got guidelines for a reason. Right. But then, you know, every case is different. Right. And so I think you have to look at it on a case by case basis and then, you know, come up with an individualized treatment plan. Gotcha. So, I mean, I, you know, I, I would say those are my usual guiding numbers. Right. But, mm-hmm. you know, there have been times where things you start at a slightly lower TSH level, you know, so, you know, you just have to kind of take each case individually. As it comes.
0: Can I ask you what made you want to be an endocrinologist?
1: Oh, man. Yeah. Um, I, I was a biochemistry major in undergrad. And um, endocrine, to me, there's a lot of biochemistry involved. And there's a lot of, I love the feedback loops and, you know, from the hormones. And um, I loved also just the continuity you know, you're seeing patients from sometimes, you know, itty bitty all the way through graduating high school. And I loved being a part of their lives for that long. And um, the the subject matter was just super interesting to me. And I liked the fact that, you know, if you were missing a hormone, I could give it back to you, right? I could treat it. Um, yeah. And I felt like I was actually making a difference. That's
0: excellent. Uh, so no, there's no type one in the family or anything like that? You just no Um, you're just a science-based person to decide yeah that's that's really cool um okay i have a question that maybe you can uniquely answer sure you're in your position and you're helping a person and they get up the nerve to say to you hey uh, i don't know what happens they get this like rocky and a1c and you go this is amazing you're doing great and they say i listened to a podcast what's your first reaction the first time you hear that
1: I mean, I'm pretty open-minded when it comes to that. So I would say, okay, tell me what podcast you're listening to. And, you know, I so I I would be interested to know, like, what they learned, and maybe I could learn something.
0: That is very progressive of you. Thank you. Uh, I just, I would assume that the, I mean, I'm putting myself in my shoes. I know this is crazy, but I would, if I was you, I'd be like, oh, my God, these people and the internet. And uh, (laughs) so, but I mean... So it happens once you're interested. How many times do you think somebody's brought it up to you?
1: Um, and who has brought up what? Sorry. Like,
0: uh, no, no, I'm so sorry. Uh, like how many different families do you think have said, I listened to this podcast?
1: Oh, your podcast. Yeah. 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 Um, gosh, I want to say, I mean, a handful, probably four or five. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's definitely, I hear about it. On a regular basis.
0: That's cool. so. Do you have any questions? What for me? Do you have like? Do you want to know anything? Like why? Like do you? I don't know. Maybe you, don't, <laughs> you might be like, no, Scott, I'm done now. I've talked about the thing. We're finished. But but no
1: is no. There, is there um, anything
0: that like springs to mind? Like
1: no, I'm just I'm I'm super. You know, I, I I hear really good things about about your podcast, and I'm really glad that you're doing what you're doing. Um, and I think you know, being an advocate for families, um, for, for kiddos with type one. And it, you know, I, I, I think it's great. I don't know that I, I, I didn't prepare any specific questions.
0: So, so, so my, interest I'm kind yeah, of, no, don't, don't, I'm sorry. I, I've caught you off guard. It's obvious, <laughs> but my, my thought, like, I'm trying to imagine you in that situation where somebody comes in, like literally says, like, I mean, I get my correspondence is pretty consistent it happens constantly all day long (laughs) so i've gotten three today that almost if you if you read them quickly you'd think they were the same note you know my son's nine years old my endo says they've only ever had three people with an an a1c in the fives it's a stable um you know i told him about the podcast blah 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 like i i just like i would wonder like what is the person saying Do, do you like like what is like they're listening to this like like voice come through their earphones and Uh they're coming back to me with a five, five a one C the kid's eating whatever he wants. There's not a bunch of lows. Like what? Like, do you wonder if we're like doing like, you know, like satanic chants on the podcast or stuff like, like, like what, what is it? You know what I mean? Like what, what does that make you feel like? Like even now, like how does that,
1: well, I, I definitely am not concerned that you're doing satanic shit.
0: <laughs> I picked the most ridiculous thing I could think of. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I guess, yeah.
1: I mean, what, um, and I, I honestly, you know, I, I have only listened to one of your podcasts. So, I mean, um, I, I am actually kind of curious now, you know, what, mm-hmm. what kind of things do you tell families okay. with type one?
0: I feel like I've bullied you into this, Bonnie, but I'm doing it anyway. Okay. we're Let's do it. Let's go there. <laughs> so to me, it's, it's, it's very simple and very complex at the same time. So the simple part is this, you have to get your basal right first, then you have to learn how to pre-bolus insulin. And then you have to learn the different impacts of foods and be flexible about their dosing. And then after that, that's it. It's just flexibility. It's not staring at high blood sugars. It's, you know, it's just, then that gets into the bigger thing. Like the simplicity is right there. It's, it's basal, pre-bolus, glycemic load index. And and then it's bigger picture stuff so that you begin to have these moments where things happen and you can react so quickly to them because you just know. And I think that's why a podcast format works because you just keep listening and things just get in your head. And then suddenly, instead of like, oh God, I don't know what to do, you just do this thing. You take this step without, almost without even thinking about it. Um, and I think that, It's – I've seen – the feedback that I've gotten is so consistent that I would tell you that most of the people who have been listening to this show for more than six months are probably, with very little effort, have an A1C in the sixes. And the ones that really, like, kind of pay a little extra attention are in the fives. No diet restrictions, no problem. That's awesome. Yeah, and it really is just – so, anyway – I realized at one point that we were having these big conversations and you'd have to listen to this hour to pull out like three nuggets, which, Uh which actually works. It's a great way for people to like, you know what I mean? Like when you sit people down you go, here's 20 bullet points and we're going to learn them all. Like that's, nobody does that. Right. Right. So they absorb all these ideas, but eventually I realized I was like, there's a whole system here. So I contacted a friend of mine, uh, who is, um, I mean, she's had diabetes for, well over thirty years, she's a CDE, which I know they don't call themselves CDs anymore. There's something else. Um, and she she came on and helped me do specific drill down episodes on ideas. So now there's like this twenty episode series called Diabetes Pro Tip. It kind of lives inside of the podcast. I, I would tell you, you listen to that, your A one C's and the fives. Nice. That's it, and it's nice. fr- absolutely free. I would never charge money for it so that's there's, awesome there's ads on the podcast but i would never ask anybody to i just don't think like learning how to use insulin should cost you money you know what i mean so yeah i love that yeah i it, that to me like that's the it's the whole thing it's giving people it's giving people kind of i don't know agency over themselves right and the and the the feeling that they can make a change instead of waiting three months and then putting you in the unfair position of going here, look at all these graphs. What do you think is wrong? Like, uh, right. You know, that kind of thing. Right.
1: And I think, I mean, that's, that's the, you know, I love what you said about giving agency. I mean, I think we want to empower our families, our patients, and I think, you know, we want them to be successful and I hate for them to, I'm sorry. That's fine. I don't know. I I hate you know this idea when you come in to see your endo and you get kind of beat down for your A1C. It's just a number, right? Like, but I I love that you're empowering them um, to be successful, right? Um, and it's not as complex as it seems to be.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's 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 actually. Once you see the big picture, it's kind of like the, I know we're so, I'm old at this point, but it's like the matrix. Like, it's the spot, it's the point where you're like, oh, I can just stop these bullets in the air. Like, none of this is real. You you know, like when when you have that vibe that, I think you come into diabetes and the game is moving so much more quickly than you can follow it. You look like a high school quarterback in a professional football game. Right. Uh, Right. And then all, all of a sudden- Just like they talk about with some of the greats, like the game slows down and you can suddenly see the whole field and your decision making is just ahead of the game. Right. And I I just think so much about, I think that being ahead of diabetes is important. Like I think that playing from behind or chasing blood sugars is a fool's errand. Like you need to make a decision that impacts something so that at least you know that what happened next, you did. Inst- yeah. instead of having that feeling of like I have no idea what's happening here like like and you get lost
1: right and I mean so often you know i I always you know I feel like you know people are chasing their tails with blood sugars and all this kind no and I think if you're proactive about it, I mean it just sets you up for success absolutely yeah
0: no it really is a it, it it's not I, I don't think diabetes ever is easy no I think you can get so good at it that it could feel easy and i think that's a, a, an important distinction like it is a really difficult thing um but you know just i don't know sometimes you have to look at it very micro and sometimes you have to look at it macro and a lot of times people get it flip flopped i'll tell you one thing that i see super common is that uh people will have i don't know say they need a basal rate of a, a unit an hour but their doctor has them at 0.6 mm-hmm. so then they make these aggressive boluses at meals because these meals are always spiking right uh, they don't pre-bolus because nobody tells them to so they're they're they put in too much insulin for the meal at the wrong time they spike way up and an hour and a half or two hours later they crash down they get low and they have to correct it Great. then they bring it's roller coaster that, yeah and you bring that graph to your doctor your cd or whomever and you say look i'm getting low after meals and they always take away the basil Ugh. instead of looking and saying well i bet you like look overnight here, your blood sugar's one. It's pretty stable overnight. It's yeah, one seventy. If we made your basal higher, I wonder if we could find stability at ninety. And if we right. and if we did that, I wonder how much easier it would be to bolus for the meals. Right, and then we would balance the meal insulin better, not find a low later. But somehow, just seeing low to them means take away insulin, and it's backwards. It's sometimes backwards, but
1: I, I agree. Yeah. I mean, I think if you don't know. And that's why you, like, for me, I, I have to know, like, what is the pattern? Like, when are you dosing? What are you, I mean, it's everything, right? Yeah. But if you don't understand the pattern, you're just looking at numbers. Yeah. To to you, you may say, okay, oh my gosh, the mealtime coverage is too much or, and back off, but that's not the right answer. So right. no, you're absolutely right. You have to know what is the backstory, right. right? What's happening.
0: There's a tug of war that happens at meals between the carbs and the insulin and mm-hmm. the biggest mistake I think we let people make is we we yell go and we and we push the button, you know, on the on the on the insulin at the same time we start eating, which, which mm-hmm. extensively gives the carbs a head start. Oh, yeah. And then it, everything's just a mess from it doesn't matter if you use the right amount of insulin. If you use it at the wrong time, it's not going to work.
1: That's 100 percent true. And I, you know, pre is huge. Um, and, and, you know, that's something that I, I definitely stress in my practice is cool. very less pre bolus and, and they come back and, and they start doing it and you see the difference on the Dexcom and you're like, Oh, wow, look, you're not spiking after meals anymore. It's amazing. Yeah. It makes a huge difference. It's
0: such a, it's such a nice feeling to see people when they, um, when they kind of crest that hill and they get it all of a sudden. I had a uh, an episode go up. Actually, I had an episode go up today from a lady from Texas. Her episode is called Crazy Mom from Texas, which is a, <laughs> name, which is a name she gave herself. So I'm in the clear. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but she's a person who um, reached out to me through social media. And I ended up helping her kind of privately, like just texting with her once in a while and asking her questions. That's about a year ago now. So... Uh, six months after I spoke to her, we recorded the episode. And now, six months later, the episode's up. And she texted me today and she's like, Look at my graph. And she sent me a 24 hour graph that's never below 80 or above 130.
1: Amazing. And
0: she's like, You, you like taught me how to do all this. I'd like, Oh my gosh. Like through text messages. Wow. So I just think it's, I think it's infinitely doable. And I, I, I hope that the people that people count on, have the nerve to tell them about the tools that they need instead of, you know, and and don't chastise them when they figure something out because that is a big problem. People figure stuff out on their own. They go back to their doctor, and their doctor's like, "You can't do that." You're like, dude, it works. Look, right, you know, and they're like, "Oh, you can't do that." Like, I can't do it. like, and then they take their pumps from them, they change all their settings, and they walk out mm-hmm. in the parking lot and put them all back again. Like, yeah, like, yeah. What are we doing? <laughs> So, right no um, i hear you it's crazy, i hear you crazy where are you from originally because you're not from texas originally right you
1: know that you noticed that no i'm from michigan originally
0: yeah you have like that upper midwest thing but you you've you've used like one or two colloquialisms that told me you've been in texas for a little bit
1: really yeah. well i have been here since i've been here since i was 12 and yeah. that was a long time ago so yeah
0: you feel real mixed like your your, your accent's cool so uh That's it, Bonnie. We did it. Um, Awesome. If there's nothing I didn't forget to ask you or that you didn't forget to say, then you can go back to your life.
1: I think we're good.
0: I want to thank Bonnie for coming on and sharing all of this. I also want to thank Touched by Type One for sponsoring the episode. And you know what else? Dexcom. They're also sponsors and they deserve a thank you as well. You can head over to dexcom.com forward slash juicebox to find out more about the Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor and get started today. And learn more about Touched by Type 1 on their website, touchedbytype1.org. They're also right there on your Instagram and Facebook feeds. Check them out, give them a follow. I want to thank you all for listening and let you know that I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.